Well, here we are. The Maisies are in Florida enjoying Disney, so they're in our thoughts and prayers today, kind of, as they enjoy some time in Florida, much needed vacation. Um, I'm excited to continue our series in Acts in this passage. Um, as Jake just read, this is the, to some of you, maybe the familiar passage of the Ethiopian eunuch as Philip has just began to go outside of Jerusalem, and as we saw in prior passages, minister in Samaria, and now as he begins to go into really the last stop before the desert, Gaza, and um, he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch, we find this incredible interaction. It, it, and, and I think it speaks to us in a lot of ways as, as God is pushing his church out of Jerusalem and spreading the gospel throughout the world. We see here, as Jake just read, Philip being spoken to by the angel of the Lord. I mean, this is, this is a unique situation. This is an interesting circumstance. As Philip is obeying God, and as he's going out, he's brought to this place. And as we see in verses 26 and 27, Gaza was, just, just by way of background, the last watering place before the desert on the road from Jerusalem to Egypt. And Ethiopia being this ancient Nubian kingdom south um, on the Nile, um, this particular eunuch, and as we see this guy that's designated as a eunuch, um, he could have been, this could have been just a title um, for a treasurer and trust, or a trusted royal servant, or it could refer to him having been emasculated. Um, and he's on his way to Jerusalem or he since has been to Jerusalem to worship. So something else we know about this particular guy is he may have been, to some degree, a God-fearer. He may have been um, this eunuch uh, who was just worshiping in Jerusalem, may have been not, he was not a complete convert or proselyte. He was someone who may have been a God-fearer, who was, who was searching, a seeker. You know, so, and, and I think today we run into a lot of people like this, don't we? People who are seekers. And I think to some degree we can see as it rises out of this passage that this Ethiopian eunuch was a God-fearer or a seeker. He was trying to find truth. He's reading the word of God. And we see Philip being spoken to by the angel of the Lord. You know, this is such an interesting passage for us and there's so many things, I was talking to Tim a little bit before um, today's service, there's so many things that, that can be drawn from this passage I'm going to have to pick tonight, and I don't know that I really exhausted it, but there's a couple of things that I believe God wants to speak to us as he's been speaking to me as I look through it. First thing that I think we see in this passage is that this is one of the ways that God wants to use us in our personal evangelism. And I say one of the ways because we see in Scripture, which is given to us for, peru- for reproof, for correction, for encouragement, Scripture that's given to us and is completely um, inspired by God. It's, it's, it's what we need for life. And what we see in this passage from Scripture is that God also leads by His Spirit. And, and we see here, Philip is spoken to by the angel of the Lord to go. And it's interesting because he doesn't know everything, right? The angel of the Lord, what does the angel of the Lord say to him? Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is interesting. As the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip, 
It just says go down to this road. He doesn't know what he's going to find there, and he doesn't know what he's going to say. How many of you guys have ever been in this situation in your life? God speaks to you. You need to go here. Okay, well, what am I going to say? I don't know. What am I going to run into? Who am I going to talk to? I don't know. All I know is that God has told me to go to this place, and that's all Philip knew at the time, and he went. I'm going to get my Starbucks, if you don't mind. Hold on one second. <laughs> is that all right? <coughs> Kubal, I'm sorry. Thank you. It's actually a Starbucks cup with Kubal inside of it. It's, a, it's like conflicting. <laughs> Philip doesn't know. All he knows is he's got to go, and he goes. And then he gets there. And it's miraculous. As he gets there, he sees this Ethiopian eunuch, this man traveling. And he hears him reading aloud Isaiah 53. And at this moment, Philip must have rejoiced a little in his heart. He must have said, God, you are so faithful. As he shows up and he is hearing, because people often read aloud, and you see in this passage the Ethiopian eunuch reading aloud Isaiah 53. Philip must have rejoiced, I would imagine, or worshiped in the faithfulness of God. This is the perfect passage to talk about Jesus and the gospel from, as he reads Isaiah 53. And this is a divine appointment that Philip has. And as he runs into him, the angel of the Lord speaks, he goes, and when he goes, what does he find? He finds this Ethiopian eunuch who's reading aloud Isaiah 53. And he looks to him and he says, do you even know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And the Ethiopian eunuch responds to him and says, how can I know unless someone guides me? in my understanding of what this passage says. Who is he talking about? Is the prophet talking about himself or is the prophet talking about someone else? And you see Philip in this moment with this, with this beautiful divine appointment having an opportunity to interact with this man and give him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it becomes even more divine because here they are heading into the desert and as the man comes to Jesus and is converted to Christianity and, and responds to the gospel, he says, hey, look at this, there's some water. And they come upon a rare watering hole in the desert, and he's baptized in that moment and added to the family of God as he publicly demonstrates his faith in Christ right there. What an amazing divine appointment. I pray for us that as we begin to plant and continue to move in our mission to plant this church, that God gives us divine appointments like this. Amen? Amen. Philip was open to the leading of the Spirit. He was sensitive to the voice of God. He heard the voice of God speaking to him. And can I say that um, as we think about evangelism, what we see from this passage is that my circle's not enough. Always. My circle is important. I mean, and when I say mind circle, if you're new, this has been our strategy for personal evangelism. And here's what we do in our strategy for personal evangelism. We plan and we become intentional. Now, this passage, we must be careful because you can kind of go to one extreme or the other here. And here's what I believe the Word of God is saying to us today. Our planning and our intentionality is hugely important. Our human planning and our intentionality is something God in the whole of Scripture has tasked us to do. We need to be intentional. We need to plan. But there is something beyond our human planning and our human intentionality. Sometimes God just intersects our lives and speaks to us, and we need to be open to His, to his voice. Because we could be running into somebody as important as the Ethiopian eunuch, and it may be a divine appointment. It may be an ordained time for us to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ and transform the life. And I can't say this for certain, but here's what we know from other historical books from this time period, that the Ethiopian church is birthed, and the Ethiopian Coptic church is one of the most 
prolific, hugely influential churches in the early world and still exist today. Philip was open to this divine appointment. He was open to hear from the Spirit of God. And he was brought to a place that was ripe. It was the right time. And, and as he shows up, can you imagine? He hears him reading aloud, Isaiah 53. I pray for us in that regard. Planning is good. Intentionality is huge. But sometimes God just directs and supernaturally speaks. And we have to be sensitive to his voice. Amen? We see in 2 Timothy 3. 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And, and, and we see and we teach and we believe in the sufficiency of scripture, amen? These two things don't contradict each other. God speaking to us in a divine way and directing us does not contradict our belief in the sufficiency of Scripture. And please hear me, these, these are not opposing things. And I think it's important in the scope of this passage for us to talk about this for a minute. Because I think we see sometimes in the church people that are all just like, you know, we just need to follow the Holy Spirit and do what the Spirit says to us. And, and they forget the Word of God. Or some people that say, you know what, that was Acts. There is nothing in the Word of God in the whole of Scripture that says this only happened in the book of Acts and no longer happens today. That's not true. It's not what the Bible says. So how do these things work together? It's because what the sufficiency of Scripture means biblically is that Scripture gives us all we need for two things in this passage. It gives all the authoritative truth we need in order to be saved and to grow spiritually. And it gives us all the authoritative truth we need in order to make good judgments about what is right and wrong. John Piper says this, the sufficiency of Scripture does not mean that God cannot speak through nature, as in Psalm 19, or that he cannot speak through the human conscience in Romans, Romans 2.15, or that he cannot speak through gifts of prophecy and wisdom in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. It means that these are not sufficient to save us or nurture us or guide us, but the Scriptures are sufficient in the sense that they give the only authoritative rule for completing and assessing those other kinds of revelations. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? The word of God is sufficient to save us, to nurture us. It is the final word and authority on the way we live our lives and the judgments we make and the decisions we make. And it is the final rule and authority over other kinds of revelation. But that doesn't mean that God still doesn't speak to us and lead us by his spirit. We judge those leadings by scripture. Amen? Amen? God still wants to speak to us and guide us and direct us in the scope and in our understanding of Scripture. We judge whether, the, whether or not those things are really God. Amen? We need God to divinely direct us and lead us as we go about the mission that he's called us to. We need divine appointments. We need to pray that God would move in the hearts of people in Liverpool and in Baldwinsville and in Clay and in Cicero so that we can have those moments as God had already been moving in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch so that we can intersect with those lives and speak the word of God at the right time by his leading so that he can move in their hearts and do what only he can do. Amen? How many of you had those moments in your life? I 
have had those moments in my life where someone spoke the word of God to me at the right time and had no idea that God had been moving in my heart prior to those moments. And when they spoke those words, they could have never known that it was God speaking directly to me. Changed my life. God's calling us to be his instruments in that regard in the lives of others. We have to be open and faithful to it. Amen? Isn't that exciting? God's going to do that. He does it. We need to be open to being used in that way. I love verse 31 here. Let's just take a moment and look at it. I'm going to start in 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? I love that. He hears him reading out loud and he's like, hey, what a great question. What a great personal evangelism interaction. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Do you have any idea what you're talking about? And I love this in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears, silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Look at verse 35. This is what we need to do. Then Philip opened his mouth. That's a good first step, isn't it? In our personal evangelism. (laughs) At this moment, he had an opportunity And Philip opened his mouth. Sometimes that's the hardest part, isn't it? Come on, how many of you guys have ever been there and you're like, I need to open my mouth. And your brain is going, please speak, open your mouth, say something. And somehow you just sip your coffee or, you know, take another bite. That's usually me. I usually have coffee or food. Um, Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, He told him the good news about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Let's take a look at it. Isaiah 53. If you want to turn there, you can. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We see this as the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading as he was traveling down that road. What an amazing passage for him for Philip to say to him, do you understand what you're reading? And for him to say, how can I understand? 
unless someone guides me. This is one of the most powerful passages that he could have been reading. This is about Jesus. Philip sees this amazing opportunity. And as I was meditating on this passage, as I was thinking about this narrative in Acts chapter 8, I couldn't help but ask myself the same question that Philip asked of the Ethiopian eunuch. Do you understand what you're reading? And I, I, I would be remiss if we don't, for a moment, not assume that we all get this and ask ourselves the same question. Do we understand what we're reading? We read a lot of things, don't we? Maybe. Some of us. Or we watch a lot of things now, right? <laughs> a lot of things that are useless. Believe me, I do too. I'm speaking to myself. I watch a lot of things that are useless. I read a lot of things that are useless. A lot of things that have no value a lot of things that, to be honest, potentially are poison. Um, a lot of things that don't encourage the soul. A lot of things that don't transform the heart. Many things that are a waste of time and for pure entertainment. But do we read and do we understand what we're reading in regards to the scripture? You see, in the beginning of his personal evangelism, Philip starts with the scripture that the, that the eunuch is reading and begins to explain to him the gospel of Jesus Christ, this absolutely life-changing message of the good news. And I, I began to ask myself today as I was reading this, am I interacting with the scripture and understanding it in such a way that it's life-changing? Or do I continually just waste my time with other things that don't transform my life and heart? Anybody seeing that here? Maybe willing tonight with me to ask yourself that question. I began to think about this today, and I, I camped on verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I would imagine in the heart of this passage, Philip addressed this with the Ethiopian eunuch. This seeker, this person who was looking for God, he began to explain to him that all, I love that verse 6 because it starts with all and it ends with all. All have gone astray. All have gone to his own way. See, there's something about the gospel of Jesus Christ as God enables us, to, enables us each of us, like he did the eunuch on that day, to have an understanding of what his word says. As, as we're guided to understand, as the spirit of God illuminates the scripture in our minds and in our hearts, what does it mean that all have gone astray? All have, have turned away. Everyone to his own way. What is the significance of that in, in relationship to the gospel? Listen to Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, in relationship to this verse. Try to hear these words. I, I can't improve upon explaining it. He who does not know that he has gone astray will not care for the shepherd who comes to fetch him back again. A humbling, heartbreaking sense of our personal wanderings from the Lord is a main force by which the Heavenly Father leads us to the Lord Jesus and his salvation. I want every young man here to know and understand the truth that salvation is the gift of divine mercy to those who are guilty 
and is never the reward of human merit. Christ did not come to save you because you're good, for you are not good, nor because you have merit, for you have no merit. He would not have come to save you if you had possessed merit. Why should he? There would have been no need. I hear the doctors rattling down the street at a great pace, and I wonder, where is he going? It never occurs to me that he is rushing to call upon a hale and hearty man. I am persuaded that he is hastening to see one who is very ill, perhaps one in dying circumstances. Otherwise, he would not drive so fast. It is just so with Jesus Christ. When he is hurrying on the wings of the wind to rescue a child of man, I am sure that the soul he visits is sick with the malady of sin and that the physician is making haste because the disease is developing into corruption and death. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. An understanding of this passage that the Ethiopian eunuch would have begin, began to grasp as God illuminated his gospel is that he had gone astray and he was sick and he was in desperate need of a savior. Can I say that if in this room today you don't understand the depths of your own sin and sickness and need from God, then you'll never understand the glory of his grace that a Savior can only bestow upon you. Amen? We first must understand in the scripture as the Ethiopian eunuch began to, our great need for the physician, our great need for God, our great need to be saved. And I recognize today that I'm in as much need of God's grace today as I've ever been. As I ever was the day I first got on my knees and asked him to come and save me. I need him to be the substitute for me. I need him to come as he did on the cross and take my place. It wouldn't be justice for God to punish Jesus for my sin and punish me. There would be no need for two punishments. In God's justice, he would never punish twice the sin of one person and so Jesus was my substitute he took my place because I needed it because I was sick because I was sinful because someone had to atone for my sin and as Jesus became the substitute for me there's no longer a need for me to experience the punishment he's already taken how amazing in his justice and in his great love He laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The only one who did not deserve to suffer, suffered. The only one who did not deserve to experience the punishment of God for all the iniquity of all mankind experienced the punishment of God for all. Why? So you don't have to. So I don't have to. He saved us. He became our substitute. This is the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch, as he began to see the torture that Jesus went through, was asking Philip, who is he talking about, himself or another? And here Philip steps in and presents an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what you're reading? How could I? I need someone to guide me. Do we understand? I want to understand more. 
I want to understand more the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel should be the very thing that transforms our lives in such a way that we're absolutely never the same. And in that, we respond and ask God to cause us to be faithful followers of Christ in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can be used by God because God does his work through his people to, to have those divine appointments and to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. Amen? Amen. This isn't the type of thing that you experience and that you just kind of uh, wander away from. This isn't the type of thing that, that you encounter as the Ethiopian eunuch encountered and just later on say, ah, this didn't really work for me. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ encounters your life and impacts your life, you are never the same. God is faithful. His grace is sufficient. He's enough. And when his grace is in your life, it works. And God will begin to transform and change and do something in your life that you can't explain. It can only be from God. And as you do that, you don't walk away from it. Amen? Amen. Charles Spurgeon said this, If your religion can be laid aside, I would have advised you to get rid of it. For a real Christian could no more lay aside his godliness than he could un unscrew his own head. It's something that's in you because God did it. You didn't do it. As we, tonight, reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ, let's pray that he would encounter our lives in such a continuing degree that we would be open to hear his voice and to be used by him in these divine appointments. Amen? I'll never forget, I was in Portland, and uh, one of the only times I've seen this happen in my life, and it, it, was, it was actually a buddy of mine. We were walking through Pioneer Square. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Portland, Oregon. It's a nice city. Um, and I was there in the 90s because I was in college at that point. And it was like 95, probably, 1995, 96. So it was in the heart of, like, the grunge movement, right, out in the Northwest. So Pearl Jam, Nirvana, like, that was the deal. So when you walk through Pioneer Square in Portland, Oregon, it was just, like, myriads of, like, homeless kids that were just following <coughs> grunge and playing hacky sack, pretty much, is what it looked like to me. So I... I Began to, we began to engage these students as Bible college students. We would just go down, hang out, go to Starbucks, get a coffee, and hang out in Pioneer Square and uh, try to play hacky sack. I, for one, went to high school in Baldwinsville, and I played a little hacky sack out in front of the cafeteria, but I never graduated to the smoker's path. Those dudes could play some serious hacky sack, you know. And so <coughs> I gave it a shot, and we'd hang out and play hacky sack. And we were hanging out one day, and me and my buddy Carl were kind of walking around Pioneer Square, and it was the most amazing thing. I'll never forget, Carl looked at me. He's like, man, he's like, I'm going to go talk to this girl. And you saw this girl kind of walking through the square. She was like punked out, you know, had the hair, had the boots, had the whole deal, the, you know, the rings. And he's like, I, I could see him struggling in his mind about what he was going to do. And, and I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know what God was saying to him. Um, and we walked up, and he's like, excuse me, can I talk to you for a minute? Which took me by surprise, and it took her by surprise. And I was like, oh, we're talking to her, okay. And so we kind of stood there, and Carl looked at her, and he said, he goes, I just feel like 
I, I want to pray for you. I feel like something very tragic has just happened in your life, and God has brought you from another place to Portland, and you're searching. And she looked at him like she had just seen a ghost, and she, her eyes got big, and she's like, yes, I just had a major death in my family, and I just ran away from San Francisco. Nobody even knows I'm up here, and I'm just wandering around. Don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And at that moment, Carl and I began to pray for this young girl and talked to her, and we got her something to eat, and we had this incredible conversation where Carl um, and myself had an opportunity to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to her. And I remember thinking, walking away from that experience, wow, isn't God great? How amazing is that? I don't know whatever happened to that young lady, but I know I remember saying to myself, I want to be open to those moments in my life where God speaks to me. And I wonder tonight, as we sit here and as we contemplate this passage, have we filled our lives with so many loud things that we're not open to th and sensitive to the leading of God's Spirit? And I guess I would ask myself, and I'd ask us tonight, how? How can we as a church be open to God's leading in our lives? And the first thing that comes to mind as we've been walking through this is I know that I need a greater understanding of the Scripture myself. I want to dive into the depths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to understand it. If you begin to understand the scriptures in a way that God has called us to have understanding as he illuminates them to us, I believe you will have a life that reflects that song we sang tonight, all to you. It's all about you. I believe that everything in your life and everything in my life will become all about Jesus. That will be the essence of of who we are. We'll have more focus. I'll have more focus. God and, and his gospel and Jesus will be all to me. It will be something that consumes my life in a greater way to a greater degree. And I know God's challenging me through this passage for that to be the case. For us together to get into the word of God, to begin to understand it and to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform us more. And I believe that will lead us to a place where we're listening to him and we hear and know the shepherd's voice. When the spirit of God speaks to us, we'll know it's him. Amen? And he's calling us to that. We need to be about that. If we're really serious about what we're doing here, and we're not just hanging out on Sunday nights in some dude's youth room, but we're really about seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ impact our communities and about each of us going out into the relationships and the, and the spheres of influence that each of us has because God's put us there. If we're really serious about doing that, we need to be serious together about getting into the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ and listening to his voice and doing what Philip did in verse 35, opening our mouths. Amen? And being open to, yes, human planning <laughs> and intentionality is absolutely valid and worthy and also being open to God intersecting our lives in, in divine appointments. Amen? Let's, let's get into the word together. Let's open our ears together. Let's plan and be purposeful and intentional and at the same time allow the spirit of God to move and speak to us. And I, I know, because I've seen God be faithful in this every time, we will hear stories and we will see testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ impacting lives around us that we could have never imagined. I know I said this a couple months ago when I spoke at Missio. Every time I look at Nate, and uh, now that I'm saying it, Nate Parker and his wife, I'm excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when we planted Missio Church, I remember kind of thinking to myself introspectively, all right, 
Hanging out with my parents and my in-laws and Jordan's aunts is fun. But is God going to begin to move in the lives of people? And I'll never forget, and Tracy, Tracy was there. <coughs> and there was something significant that happened in my mind and heart when I was sitting in the Palace Theater one Sunday morning and I saw the video of Nate Parker come up on the screen and him begin to describe how the gospel of Jesus Christ through Jim Murphy had impacted his life and how he came to Jesus. And then I saw his wife come to Jesus. And then I saw two people who couldn't have a baby, who desperately wanted to have a child, that were trying all sorts of other methods to have a child. And then they stopped the other methods and they began to pray. And God has given them two beautiful kids. And here's this family of two people and their two beautiful kids who know and love and serve Jesus. And I remember thinking, wow, God is faithful. If that's all that happened in the planting of Missio Church, that would be all we needed to have done. And it's been so much more than I even know about. God is going to do that here. He's already began to do it here as I look out among you people and all of us. He's already begun to do it, and he's going to do it more. Let's be open. Let's be available. Let's be saturated in the word of God and understanding it for real so that God can change us and use us and speak to us. And when he gives you those appointments, open your mouth. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're faithful and that you want people to know you more than we do. God, thank you that you move and you speak to us and you guide us and you direct us. God, I only pray that we would be faithful to you because you're always faithful. I pray that we would be open to hear your voice. God, that we would be faithful to open our mouths and speak when the opportunity presents itself. Most of all tonight, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that Jesus Christ fulfilled Isaiah 53. I thank you that even though I had strayed, that I was going to my own way, that all have sinned and gone their own way, that somehow in your great love and in your great mercy, you laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You are sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Your death and resurrection and substitutionary sacrifice for us is sufficient. The only thing we can do tonight is be grateful. We reflect on your gospel tonight. And we're grateful. You are worthy of worship. Let us not take the worship of you lightly. Let us not be lax. Let us not be kicked back or somehow dismissive of how deserving you are of worship. In light of your great mercy, it's reasonable that we would give our lives to worship you. We worship you tonight because you deserve it. You're the only one who does. Be glorified. Be glorified in our worship tonight as we come to the table. Be glorified in our worship as we sing tonight. And be glorified in our lives as we worship you when we go. In Jesus' name.